0: I invite you to find Genesis chapter 25, starting at verse 19. We're continuing our series we call Story Time as we look at some of the the big narrative uh, events of the Old Testament, some of what you might call some of the the Sunday school stories that you grew up with. They're not they're not stories; they're accounts, they're episodes, they're actual events that have been recorded for us. And this today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 25, verse. 19, we've been looking at people like Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham. And today we're going to meet the sons, uh, really the grandsons of Abraham, Jacob and Esau. Will you stand with me as we read Genesis 25, starting at verse 19? I'll read to the end of the chapter. It says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. The daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Penan Aram and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord God on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. Ever asked that question? <laughs> And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Esau means hairy. And thank you, Bible, for that visual. All right. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Jacob means, uh, sounds like the word heel. It means to grasp, might mean trickster, uh, might mean deceiver, he who grasps. And it says that uh, they named him Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Now, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament preferring To stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca loved Jacob. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. His nickname. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Jacob said, First, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Let's take a seat together. We thank the Lord for his word. Maybe you were already familiar with that account or not. If you're following along this year in the R&R journal and reading plan, which I encourage you to do, you will have read this about a month and a half ago as we've powered through Genesis, Exodus, and now we're in Leviticus. Um, And it kind of feels like we might have a repeat of Cain and Abel, those wonderful brothers, one who killed the other. The difference... In these two brothers compared to Cain and Abel Is that we do not have one super awesome righteous brother And one like super bad wicked brother They're both scoundrels They're both bad, right? Esau is reckless, impulsive He's insubordinate to his parents Jacob is shrewd and opportunistic Most storytellers kind of set up the story So that you have like a good guy and a bad guy or a protagonist and an antagonist. And it's pretty obvious who to root for. This is more like. This is more like choosing a politician. right? Which one is going to do the least amount of permanent damage to your life? But there's another layer here as well. Um, and we want to ask ourselves from which one then can I learn the most? Which one is going to show me the right way to live? Because the the Holy Spirit did not inspire the Bible simply for our entertainment. right? The the Bible in many episodes are entertaining. I won't discount that. But Scripture is inspired for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. So if that's going to be true, we need to say the Bible is here to help us. Follow Jesus. The Bible is not an optional book. It's not one of those. Oh, it's got coming some nice tales in there that might be a bit of a guide. This is our direction. Our guide As if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, this book is essential to your life. It's central to you. So it helps us follow Jesus. All right. So Jacob and Esau, which one should we follow? We should follow the one that moves in the right direction. Being a follower of Jesus is not a matter of perfection, it's a matter of progress. The Bible word for it is sanctification, the process of being made holy. None of us have arrived, spiritually speaking, we're all a work in progress. So we're going to see what we can learn today about moving in the right direction with either Jacob or Esau. I want to continue the story for you, picking up in chapter 26 now. Go to the next chapter, picking up at verse 34, right at the very end of that chapter, the last couple verses. At the age of 40, it says now, okay, remember, Isaac's boys were born when he was 60. Now his son and he was married at 40. He was 60. The kids are born. Now it says at the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives. So get that visual. Isaac's now about 100 years of age. He married Judith, the daughter of Biri and Bathamath, the daughter of Elon. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebecca. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, Father Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, the firstborn son, before I die. Well, if you're familiar with the story, you, you already know what happens. Esau heads out to do that takes his bow and goes hunting. But Rebekah, now remember, she can't stand those daughters-in-law. And she favors Jacob, the younger son. And she says, Jacob, your father is about to give the blessing of the firstborn to your brother Esau. So quickly now, go out to the field, get me a couple goats, and I'm going to prepare a dish that's your, your father's favorite dish. Just the way Esau would make it. And uh, you're going to go in and you're going to present it to him as though you were Esau. And you're going to get the blessing. Jacob says, that's not going to work. I'm nothing like my brother. I'm all smooth skinned. He's all hairy. And she says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So sure enough, he goes off, brings back the the couple of goats. She starts making the meal. I bet you it was good. I bet you it was good. Um, Wow. And uh, I am so hungry right now. So... (laughs) So she's preparing the meal and she's got a plan. She takes the the hides of the goat. She wraps them onto his arms and hands so that he he feels all hairy. So if you've ever petted a goat, that's what Esau was like. All coarse and prickly like that. And he he wears Esau's clothes and he takes the food in to his father. And he says, father, I brought you the meal like you asked for. He said, who is that? Is that Jacob or Esau? Oh, moment of decision. Jacob says, I'm Esau. Your older son. Oh, really. Come closer. I want to be sure. He knows somethings up. He just knows something's up. And he comes closer and he, he touches him like, "Well, feels like Esau." He says, "Come closer, I want to give you a kiss." because he wants to wants to smell him. And he leans in close, and sure enough, he says, "Ah, oh, the smell of my son, the smile, smell of the wild outdoors. This is my son, Esau. And sure enough, he takes the food and he he pronounces this blessing on him. Verse 28, chapter 27, verse 28. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. It's one of the reasons I believe that 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 is still true today that those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed because of that blessing pronounced on Jacob. Remember later, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Well, sure enough, Jacob leaves. And no sooner has that happened, and who shows up? Esau. Father, I brought you the meal you asked for. No. I. Who was just here? It was your brother. He has stolen your blessing. Esau is devastated. He's crushed. He can't believe what's happening. He begs his father. This can't be. Father, you must have a blessing for me too. And he says, "I, I can't. I can't give you that kind of blessing. And finally, Isaac gives him this. He says, you will live far away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. What a story. I want to read from chapter and verse 41 of 27. It says from that time on Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing and Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death and then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebecca heard about Esau's plan. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son, get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off, and when he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? And then Rebecca said to Isaac, "I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them." So Isaac called for Jacob, blessed him, and said, "You must not marry any of these Canaanite women. Instead, go at once to Padanaram, to the house of your father Bethuel, grandfather, and marry one of your uncle Laban's daughters." So that's what he does. For a couple of things so far, I think to give us a good indication that Esau chose a path headed in the wrong direction. First, his impulsiveness over the stew. I I have a hard time imagining that lentil stew would be good enough to make that kind of bargain. It's not that tempting to me, but he was impulsive and wanted to be gratified immediately. Then we learn that Esau married these local pagan Women, without his parents' blessing, without his parents' approval or the, the kind of the process of doing things properly. He really had no relationship with his mom whatsoever. Later in chapter 28, you'll, you'll find that he has this, kind of makes this desperate attempt to get back into his parents' good graces by marrying a, a step-cousin from the line of Ishmael, which was Abraham's uh, other son. But again, not by asking for his parents' help to do things the right way. He seeks to be more sort of righteous or more approved by his own idea of good deeds. In short, you could say that Esau's actions were driven by immediate gratification rather than by a long-term view towards success. He wanted what felt good right now, what will fix it right now, rather than saying, this is going to take some time. So here's a question for us based on Esau's life. Are you living for the moment or are you living for the future? Are you living for the moment or are you living for the future? I'm not saying ignore today, right? Jesus himself said not to worry about tomorrow, that today's got enough trouble. He said we can trust God for all our needs, both now and always. That's not what I'm saying. But are you thinking long term? Are you looking ahead? Because the Bible teaches much about preparing for what is to come. And a maturing person thinks about the consequences Tomorrow of today's decisions a maturing person thinks about tomorrow's consequences for today's decisions. I um, When I was in college one of the things I did in college. I worked for a radio station for a couple of years It was a lot of fun But I worked a late night shift and I would get off about midnight We lived about the radio station was about half an hour away from where I lived and Every time as I came Back home, I would come off the freeway and right at the freeway exit was robin's donuts. I was so hungry one night. I'm like, I just need a little snack before I go home. I was going to do some homework because college students don't really start working on things until it's due maybe in the next 12 hours. So I, I went in there and I discovered this moment that you can get like a whole bag of donuts after midnight for about two bucks. well, who's going to turn that down? And I learned Little by little, weekend after weekend, that if you eat a bag of donuts at a time, there's consequences. The donuts stay around. They stay and they stay. I I learned that um, there are consequences to today's decisions. Everything has consequences. Now, a maturing person, again, considers more than the immediate gratification As Esau did, they think about the future implications of their actions and decisions. Now, not to say that Jacob was some kind of angel on all these things. He did understand, however, that his choices that he was making were preparing for him for future success. So whether you're a student today or maybe a teacher in the classroom, just grinding it out or you're in a job you don't love, or maybe you're struggling in a marriage that needs some improvement, or you're battling an addiction, or whatever it might be, I just want you to remember, though, the good decisions that you will make today are going to pay off again and again and again down the road. So don't lose heart on that. Now let's talk about another episode from Jacob's life, moving into chapter 28. You uh, you have this situation where Jacob, uh, Jacob has now been sent to, to his... Uncle's kind of area, his uncle's place, and and off he goes. And as he arrives in that area, he he gets to the well where all the sheep are being are watered. And he, um, well, before I get to that, on his way over, he 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 spends a night night after night in the open sky. But one night, as he's he's sleeping, he's laying his head on a rock. It's pretty rough circumstances. He has a dream, and in his dream, he he sees a portal. From heaven to earth. And he sees angels going up and down a staircase or a ladder to heaven. And he wakes up from his dream because in his dream he had seen God at the top of the stairway saying, You're Jacob. I'm your God. I'm the God of your grandfather Abraham. I'm the God of your father Isaac. Worship and serve me. Jacob can't believe what's happened when he wakes up and he immediately Begins to worship. He takes the the very stone that he laid his head on. He stands it up. He anoints it with oil, and he makes it a worship place. And he says, "This place is the house of God. Bethel is the name that he calls it, the house of God." And and he makes a promise to God. He says, "God, if you'll let me come back here, if you'll bring me back, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to I'm going to be in this place. If you'll provide for me, if you'll take care of me, if you'll meet my needs." I'll come back to here and I will worship you and I will give you a tenth of all my wealth. He will tithe to the Lord God. That's what he ends up doing later on. Here's why we know that Jacob is going to be okay, because each time God revealed himself to Jacob. Jacob responded in worship and obedience. There's another example found in chapter 31 where we learn that an angel had appeared to Jacob to instruct him on how to become wealthy in animal husbandry, breeding sheep. And in a very strange episode of genetic manipulation, he prospered abundantly. Again, in chapter 32, you'll read a story of how how Jacob spent a night wrestling with an angel, possibly Jesus himself in what we would call pre-incarnate form. And as, as he wrestled with the angel, Jacob demanded a blessing from this mystery wrestler. And recognizing then he was face to face with God. He was deeply affected and changed forever. He named that place Peniel, the face of God. Following this ladder to heaven dream or stairway to heaven dream. for Those of you who are fans of 70s rock and roll. Jacob immediately worshipped God. He erected this worship memorial. He made a vow of commitment to God, including this promise to to give a tenth of his wealth to the Lord. Here's my question to you. Are you responding to God when God reaches to you? Are you responding to God when God reaches to you? One of the best things of early parenting, at least in, in my experience, uh, was, is getting your children to jump to you from a high-up spot or something. I was a seminary student when both uh, my sons were born to so Becky and I. And, and for two years, we lived in a place called Hampton Gate Apartments. Right there in the glorious area of Ashland and Millbrook, we, um, we felt like we were in paradise. We had moved here from Canada and, and there were palm trees and a swimming pool. It was just, I mean, like, this is amazing. And one of the things my then two-year-old son, Alex, loved to do was stand on the edge of the pool deck and I would be in the pool reaching out to him and he would he would leap to me in the water. And, and he just loved it. And as he gained confidence, I could move further and further back and he would leap further and further and... And uh, he, you know, he's become a great swimmer uh, because of that. I don't think he could reach. I don't think I would have him jump to me now, but um, I could probably jump to him. So we'll have to try that later, son. Um, but the point is that as I reached out for him, he'd respond and jump in. And we talk a lot about reaching to God, but you know, God is a good father, and don't you think He would be the same kind of father? With its arms opening, beckoning us into relationship, saying, just jump, just come, just trust me, come on, just trust me, jump. Each time God reveals, revealed himself to Jacob, Jacob responded. Each time God reached to Jacob, Jacob jumped and responded to God. That's how it worked, even though he was a trickster, even though he had all kinds of flaws it requires a willingness on our part to respond. It's, it's not about, you know, the righteousness of our own good efforts. It's about putting ourselves in a position of encountering God. This is why I recommend this R&R journal so much. This little, little journal with a reading plan where you can read a little bit of Scripture each day. Make a, write down what God's teaching you in that moment. You spend about 20 minutes doing that. And little by little, you know, in a year you'll have read through the whole Bible. If that's too much... In here, you you can just read through the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. It's about putting yourself in a place of responding to the God who's got his arms open and he's reaching out to you. It's why I invite you to, guys, I invite you to join me at 6.30 on Thursday mornings as we do that devotions together. We spend an hour together on Thursday mornings at 6.30. It's why I invite you, if you're available or able to do this, join us at 9 a.m. Thursday mornings. We have a prayer meeting in the... In the library, there's several of us that gather. And we just I just love it. We're putting ourselves in a place to potentially encounter God. That's why we have the opportunity for you to, to receive prayer during the worship time of each service here. It's why we want you to choose one worship to attend and one worship to serve. It's all about putting yourself in that place. Maybe you feel like God has never revealed himself to you. You've asked, you've looked, but, but you say, no, God has been silent I can assure you, God wants to reveal Himself to you, if you're willing. Sometimes we block God out by re, you know, refusing to obey what He's already told us or shown us. Maybe it's through Scripture or some other way. I just want you to remember that, like Jacob, it's not about perfection. It's progress. It's moving in that direction. Are you, are you moving in His direction? Or even if you're not moving, are you at least turned in His direction so that you're ready to move when He Reveals himself. I want to summarize a few more chapters for us. To see if we can kind of capture more of the story here. Jacob gets to that area of his, his uncle's place. And he, he he's where the sheep are being watered. And he sees this girl. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> Who is that girl? Turns out that's his cousin. And it's okay at that time to marry your cousin. So that works out well. And he, he settles in with... With Laban, his uncle, and, and after a month or so, Laban says, hey, you know what? Um, if you're going to live here and work for me, you, sh- you should get paid. What, what do you want your payment to be? Because goes, I want to marry Rachel. So they work out a deal where he'll work seven years and he'll get to marry Rachel, and the years just fly by. They just float along, and he's just so excited that he can hardly wait. And sure enough, the night comes. They throw a big party, and you know she's probably wearing a veil, and he might have had a, few, a little too much to drink. And it's dark, and it's nighttime, and, and they go to enjoy their honeymoon night together. And he wakes up in the morning. Ah! It's not Rachel. It's Rachel's not so good-looking older sister. He's goes to Laban, what have you done? I worked for you for Rachel, not Leah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I should have, probably should have told you this. In our culture, the, the older one has to get married first before the younger one. So, well, tell you what, you can marry Rachel as well. Did you know that in Exodus, there's a specific command that says, no man should marry a woman and her sister? It's very, It's very specific. Anyway, so uh, he says, you just work seven more years for me and you can have Rachel too. So they, he marries Rachel and, and he continues to work. Well, you can imagine the tension between these two sisters. One's loved, one's not loved. But sure enough, God is gracious to Leah and Leah begins to have children. And she has one son, another one, a third son, a fourth son. Rachel's in, in, a, in, a, tr- in a tizzy about this and she goes to Jacob She says, give me some children. And he says, I'm not God. I can't do that for you. And so she says, well, I've got a plan. And she gives Jacob her servant girl. Well, this has happened before, too, hasn't it? What could possibly go wrong? And so (laughs) gives him the servant girl and two more children are born to the servant girl. Well, Leah, not to be outdone, realizes that the math is starting to balance out, gets her servant girl to Jacob. Hey, you need to sleep with her, too. Now, I'm not sure that Jacob was so terribly upset about all the, you know, (laughs) But it's really not the right way of doing things. And sure enough, that servant has two more. So now we're four, six, eight kids. And then God is gracious to Leah. Leah is just still in so much turmoil. She works at a deal with her sister to get the husband for some nights. She has another one and then another one. Now up to ten sons and a daughter. And Rachel is crying out to the Lord to be able to have a child. And number 11 comes along and it's Joseph. We're gonna start in on Joseph next week. We'll actually spend a couple of weeks with him because he's just such an awesome guy. So he continues to work with Laban. He 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 Laban keeps tricking him because the con man's getting conned over and over, right? But he keeps building his his wealth and God shows him how to breed sheep so that he makes a killing. He just makes a fortune. And finally, he makes a plan. He thinks the only way I'm going to get away from alive is by escaping in the night. And that's what he does with his, all his children and his wives and all the livestock. And they, they hit the road. Laban comes chasing after him. Laban wants to kill him. God appears to Laban in the dream and says, don't, don't harm him. Don't harm him. Don't do that. And so they, off he goes. Jacob wants to go reconcile with his brother. So he's on his way to meet his brother and he has all kinds of gifts he wants to give him. Finally, Jacob gets back to Bethel, where he had first encountered God in the angel uh, ladder dream. Overall, here's what you see in Jacob's life. Jacob grew in his dependence on God. While Esau faded in the background, Esau's, I mean, Jacob is rising in prominence as Esau fades. Esau himself became a substantial nation. Named after his nickname, Edom, they become the Edomites, but they're not God worshipers. And what's really cool about Jacob is that as he become very, very wealthy, he trusted God more and more. Typically, uh, what can often happen with affluence, it, it, it erodes our trust in God because we can trust more and more in ourselves. But Jacob was able to trust more and more in God. And in that time, God renamed him from Jacob to Israel means he who struggles with God. Jacob was a hard-working guy. He, he struggled badly in his parenting. and He wasn't a particularly good husband either. He was a hard-working man. Abundantly prosperous. The kind of guy you'd expect to become super arrogant. Keep working harder and harder and accumulate more and more. But that didn't happen. He got softer with age. He, he lightened up. He, instead of trying harder, he trusted more. And that's my third question to you today is, are you trying harder or are you trusting more? Are you trying harder or are you trusting more? Back in my college days, I another job I had is I, I waited tables um, uh, at, a, at a great um, steak and pizza place, a really, really fun restaurant. I think I was pretty good with customers, but I was a bit clumsy when it came to carrying like trays of food and drinks. Uh, the worst one, of course, was when I dumped an entire tray of Pepsi's into the lap of one of the bank ladies that would come in every, every day for lunch. Um, was, that was bad. Um, but I, I really had kind of a hard time with that. And then to finally my manager kind of shared a little trick with me. He says, hey man, you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard. Just relax. Trust your balance. And instead of looking at what you're carrying, look at where you're going. Look up and just walk. You'll be fine. And you know what? That worked. It's a great spiritual lesson. It's a great spiritual principle. Instead of looking at yourself or looking at your problems or all the tasks you have to do, instead of looking at what you're carrying, the burdens you have, look up at where you're going. Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the identity that God's given you in Christ Jesus if you you have faith in in Him. It's way better to say, God, I I can't do this. But you can and you live in me. So I'm going to trust you. It's about trusting God. More instead of trying harder, and I would ask this: Where in your life do you need to stop trying so hard? Where in your life do you need to stop trying so hard? You know, it's just an amazing thing. And Jacob, is this, as he kind of gets through his life, he he has this experience where he 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 encounters as he's preparing to meet his brother. He encounters this this angel wrestling thing that we talked about realizes he's, he's met God face to face. And that's when his name is a is second time confirmed. He's now Israel instead of Jacob. And it really changes him. It changes him enough that he makes peace with his brother. It changes him enough that, that he's able to, to relax and settle back in his, in his home territory. And I would just say, where in your life do you need to stop trying so hard? Are you trying to force a fix in a bad relationship? Are you striving to be a good Christian, which is a phrase we really need to get rid of because there's no such thing. I said that's a condemning thing to say. Are you, are you sweating maybe because you're, you're unsuccessfully trying to preach salvation to a loved one, maybe your mom or your your sibling, brother, friend? Just relax. Just relax. Just trust the Holy Spirit in you. If you're progressively moving in the direction of following Jesus more and more. And your eyes are on him. If you're looking up at him instead of looking at your burdens and what you carry, you'll be amazed at what happens. You can trust more and try less. Jacob and Esau really were quite the pair, weren't they? Finally, in the end, as I said, they they seem to have reconciled. Genesis 35 says that they were together when they buried their father. He finally died. Esau settled far away in the homeland in the hills. Jacob made his father's land his home but together they raise these three really important questions for us are you living for the moment or are you living for the future or you could say it another way are you living for yourself or are you living for god are you living for your priorities or his priorities secondly are you responding to god when he reaches to you and the third one i would say is are you trying harder or are you trusting more let's pray Would you please stand with me? God, I'm really thankful that you saw fit to preserve these accounts in your word for us. And uh, there's so much in there that we can relate to. Struggle between brothers. Trickery and corruption and disappointment and. All these things that are happening in there, and I just I just thank you so much that you've given that to us. But Lord, it's it's my desire and it's my hope that that we are challenged today to say, God, how am I doing what direction am I moving in? Am I moving more little by little like Jacob toward you, toward trusting you more? Or am I moving like Esau further and further away from you? And God it'd be my desire that as individuals and as a church we learn to walk more and more into your direction. To say we're going we're gonna, to instead of just kind of living for the moment, we want to live with the eternity in mind. We, we want to respond as you reveal yourself to us. We just want to learn to trust you. And church, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I would just challenge you, particularly in your life this week, is there any place in your life where you're just, you just find you're just trying so hard to make things work? Can I just encourage you to just be like that waiter who stops staring down on the tray and just look up and say, Jesus, where am I going with all this? Let him take that for you. Let him help you carry that. And if you're, again, his eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you're not a believer in Jesus yet, you've never given your life to him, but you want to, today would be a great day to do that. You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Here's what it means to be a Christian. You trust Jesus to forgive all your sin and to give you new life and you follow Him as the Lord and leader of your life. That's a Christian. That's what it means. It's not about being perfect. You don't have to be, you don't have to be there to get started. You've got to start to get there. And if you're somebody that wants to give your life to Jesus today, would you just raise your hand and look at me and I would love to pray with you after the service. Anybody like that today? All right, and for all of us, let's be people who are learning to trust more and more and more. God, we just thank you for your word to us today. We uh, just thank you for the good work you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you for the opportunity to uh, be challenged today over lunch. We ask uh, that you would uh, just give us uh, soft hearts to hear from you. Just pray for Ryan as he shares today that you give him great courage to say what needs to be said. Uh, we just thank you for your presence here in this place. Thank you for providing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.